opened the door to the most powerful room in housing, built for mortgage executives, real estate leaders, and the rising stars that drive innovation and progress. The gathering will feature over 45 powerful speakers on stage in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 21st to 24th. Learn more and register now at housingwirethegathering.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is Chris Clow, editor of Reverse Mortgage Daily, to talk about how seniors are financing their retirement and the opportunities there for lenders, including how a reverse mortgage could even be used for ADUs or granny flats. Chris, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. Appreciate it, as always. Yeah, great to have you on as always, Chris. Um, Love having you on to talk about reverse, especially because you've reported on several stories in the last couple of weeks talking about how seniors feel about their retirement and their possibilities for aging in place and really having a secure financial future that I feel like play into where we are in this moment in the mortgage industry as, you know, the forward mortgages... um, I've had a really tough year looking at a, a tough first half. Meanwhile, there seems to be some um, real opportunity here for reverse. So let's talk first about some of those stories that you reported on different surveys about how seniors are feeling right now about their finances. Yeah, I, this all stems from just the general economic uncertainty. You know, I think depend if, for, for everybody paying attention to national news in terms of the economy, it seems like the forecast for a recession seems to be hot and cold, depending on the day that you decide to read about what financial analysts are saying. But naturally, that's going to translate into some general uncertainty, particularly among the senior population who are either at, in retirement or getting very close to it since they have to rely usually, at least in most cases, on a fixed income. Um, you know, the retirement age is, is going up. So maybe that'll impact seniors ability to save. But generally speaking, there were these two surveys that I covered in recent days on RMD. The first one was a little bit more uh, limited in scope to people who have a net worth of at least a million dollars. And for a long time, it seemed like people in preparation to finance a retirement, a million dollars was always seen as like the ideal nest egg to have for uh, for living out the the rest of your days, you know, in, in comfort, you know, and the uh, and having the lifestyle that you have grown accustomed to for the majority of your life ahead of time. But now the prospect of a million dollars in retirement savings might not be as sufficient as it once used to be. And it's no secret why, you know, there's inflation, cost of living is going up. Uh, Rents are certainly a lot higher and there are, you know, a growing number of seniors that are living in rental housing. But when it comes to mortgage, uh, the bright spot that certainly the reverse mortgage industry has tried to emphasize over the past couple of years is just the explosion of home price appreciation and how that translates into senior held home equity. And I think um, based on the most recent uh, survey data from uh, the National Reverse Mortgage Lenders Association and a data analytics firm called RiskSpan, we're approaching $12 million of collect, or $12 $12 trillion of collective senior held home equity for specifically for the senior demographic. So naturally, uh, an industry that deals primarily in allowing people to tap that home equity, especially, you know, for seniors specifically, 
are going to highlight that as a potential path forward for liquidity. But when it comes specifically to the data point you mentioned about millionaires, it was Natixis Investment Managers that had conducted a survey which uh, indicated that 35% of millionaires agreed with the statement that said, it will take a miracle to achieve a secure retirement. And that's nearly a match with 40% of overall investors who agreed with that sentiment. So I found that that was particularly striking just because uh, there's a very similar sentiment between people with much higher means and people with not quite as many means. Um, and it just really kind of emphasizes the challenges that are ahead for, for seniors who are looking to, uh, to transition out of work, but while maintaining their lifestyle and how easy is that really going to be? Um, and then you had mentioned the, <clears throat> the other survey, which was conducted by an online insurance marketplace called Policy Genius that said roughly 66% of the sandwich generation, which means those in the age group that uh, are tasked with caring for both their children and aging parents, they describe themselves as either very stressed or somewhat stressed when it comes to meeting their own financial obligations over the next decade. Um, and you know it's pretty easy to see why. If you're in a position where you have to care for your children while also taking care of aging parents whose needs conceivably are going to increase as time goes on. If you project forward by 10 years, then those costs could add up pretty significantly, especially depending on how old your kids are. So if that age group, if you're talking like people between 55 and 62, then there are reverse mortgage options that are available for those people but whether or not there is actually the, um, I guess, impetus to actually move forward with such a product, that's a whole other question entirely. But the fact that this kind of financial insecurity exists among these very specific demographics, I think says a lot about uh, the potentially addressable reverse mortgage market and how it's evolving, especially because of the increase in, in living costs. So first, um, let's define who was a millionaire according to that survey. How how did they define that? Is that their total net worth? Is that in their house? Is that in their, you know, what, what does a millionaire look like in that survey? It, it's it seemed to be people with at least a net worth of one million dollars. So um, higher net worth individuals reported that they had accumulated more than four times the median assets of the overall population. And that was $2 million versus $450,000. So I think most of them had assets of around $2 million versus the majority of the survey group. But when you compare you know, $2 million for that subset of people versus the overall savings of $450,000, I mean, that's a really stark difference. It's a big difference. And these people are still having difficult conversations about what their finances are going to be looking like over the next several years. And that really does emphasize that, well, you know, maybe these other options like a reverse mortgage are at least worthy of consideration. I think I've talked on this show before about how the reverse mortgage industry for a long time has tried to, even if they don't, if, if they don't actually increase the amount of loans that are done from these people, they at least want to get into the door of conversation and consideration that can make a big difference, especially in terms of improving the overall perspective on the reverse mortgage product itself. Um, but you know, it's it's the same story that it's been for the last several years. There's a lot of work that the industry needs to do in order to get into that um, that conversation. 
Um, but this is just more information that I think solidifies the idea that more types of financing or more types of accessing liquidity are at least worthy of discussion. I think it really, it also kills two birds with two birds with one stone or, or accomplishes two goals because if you're looking at, you know, retirement, especially aging in place, um, you know, so having your house is really important in that. And on the other hand, if you need to go into a care facility, they are so very expensive. Anybody who has looked at that with their parents or for other loved ones or for themselves, it is really more than most people would imagine. And so if you look at like, well, how, how long I might live there, it's very easy to outlive your money. And so I do think a reverse mortgage, you know, it, it takes care of both of those things. And if you need in-home care, sometimes the difference between, you know, having a reverse mortgage, staying in your home and bringing someone in to care for you is, could be less expensive than, you know, going into a, a long-term care facility. And one of the things that people in one of those surveys talked about was they planned on using Medicare for long, those, that long-term care cost, but Medicare doesn't cost, uh, cover that in many cases. No, no. And it's, it's strange how persistent that piece of information is because, I think there are a fair amount of seniors in the country who just look at uh, reaching the Medicare age threshold as something that's going to solve all of their problems. But I mean, that's just not the case because you have uh, several kinds of supplemental plans that have been designed over the past you know, 20, 30 years that are designed to fill in those gaps of care. And long-term care is certainly a pretty big gap, especially if 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 you kind of coast through heading to retirement and you think you're going to be taken care of in terms of getting long-term care through Medicare, that's just not the case. So that requires these other kinds of, um, of uh, cash access methods, such as a reverse mortgage, to at least be considered among the pool of options. But, you know... The entire world is going through uh, a bit of a, a population reorganization because generally speaking, in a lot of developed countries, including ours and most especially countries like Japan and Canada, the, the populations are getting older and the nations are going to have to figure out ways to uh, make sure that seniors have a comfortable retirement as they become a larger and larger share of the population. Uh, so it's... It's a very real issue that a lot of these nations need to address. I had a, re a relatively recent interview with Ted Tozer, former president of Ginny May, where he talked about going to several other countries during his time in the Obama administration. And uh, nations like Japan were curious about the American Heckam program and how it's working and how it serves as a solution to uh, to keep seniors in their homes and Japan in particular is a problem is a country that's going to have that problem over the next several years over the next couple of decades so these are very real issues and it would do well to come up with a plan as quickly as possible um, and you know a reverse mortgage is one such plan I remember a couple of years ago I had a conversation with a financial advisor named Curtis Cloak, who's also involved in education of financial planners about a variety of, pr of products, including reverse mortgages. And he equated the concept of introducing a reverse mortgage into a conversation with someone who might not be willing to explore it as going to a mechanic and having an issue with a bearing plug in your car 
but the mechanic that you go to just hates bearing plug pullers, a very specific tool for a very specific problem. Uh, so, you know, if you don't have someone who's willing to use the right tool for the right problem, then you're going to have to go to someone else who is willing to use that tool. And, you know, a reverse mortgage might not fit as specifically in that kind of a scenario, but among some people, it might. So you just got to have the right tool for the right job, as with anything. I think you had a recent story on the fact that, um, you know, some some financial planners still weren't up on reverse mortgages or weren't seeing those as a great uh, viable alternative, which just surprises me so much because they are so key to this. They should they should absolutely know exactly what a reverse mortgage is these days since all the reforms went through and what that can offer their clients. Yeah, that was uh, that was Jack Gutentag. He's known generally as the mortgage professor. That's his nickname. And he's written a lot about reverse mortgages in the past. And yeah, he had a piece for Forbes earlier this month where he just talked about how financial advisors are totally uninterested in implementing reverse mortgages. And part of the reason for that uninterest, from his perspective at least, was that um, there's just there's just a general lack of desire to recommend like a debt based solution for a lot of these people and when when you have that kind of aversion you're not going to consider the product um and because reverse mortgage lenders are so specialized and there's you know i think you can count on one hand the amount of banks that offer reverse mortgages and they're usually just brokering them out um, re- retirees are just not going to be able to select an option that works for them if it includes a reverse mortgage. So, uh, and that's a constant battle that the industry has been fighting for several years. And it's it's not fighting it as if like fighting fire with fire. The industry is doing a lot to reach out to financial planners and forge, uh, you know, coalitions with financial planning groups like the the Financial Planning Association. Or NAFA, for instance, lenders are making a lot of these connections. And of course, the Reverse Mortgage Trade Association is is keen to make those kinds of connections as well. But um, yeah, the general aversion, it's just it, it's it's been surprisingly constant over the course of certainly my time at RMD. But there has been some progress made, just not enough, probably. Not enough. You know, the the article on the sandwich generation hit home for me, especially. So that's people my age and a little bit younger, maybe a little bit older, who are trying to balance the needs of having kids at home, having parents are taking care of. In my particular case, I had kids pretty young. And so they were they were gone pretty quick. I also unfortunately lost my parents pretty young. So I am not in that particular situation, but I have so many friends who are. And one of the, you know, one of the challenges is like, how do you, um, you know, when it comes to like student loans, should you fund your kids? Um, uh, should you fund your kids schooling or should you put stuff in retirement? And then some of, some of the sandwich generation, their, their uh, parents might have put that money into their schooling. Um, on the other hand, their parents, if they if they didn't come from a lot of money, d- just don't have a lot saved. So again, it's just um, I really feel for those people who are trying to make these financial decisions and potentially don't know anything about reverse mortgages because they're not even the target demographic. I mean, they themselves, the people taking care of this, are not the people who are who are going to see those ads or potentially be talking to people who understand that, and yet their parents could really benefit from it. Yeah. And I actually had a conversation um, about a week and a half ago with a reverse mortgage loan originator who had experience. She's in California, which is by far the biggest state for reverse mortgage originations. And she spoke about the increasing prevalence of accessory dwelling units 
which might be a uniquely viable option specifically for the sandwich generation, just because if you do finance something like an ADU, which is effectively um, you know a separate living space but on the same property as a main residence, uh, I think people call them granny flats. That's right. one of their nicknames, yep. you know. Um, but that could serve as a unique opportunity to make sure that certain seniors are housed in close proximity to. Uh, to a close family member. And then later on, if, uh, you know, when that senior dies or moves away, then it could potentially serve as housing for an adult child if they need to come back home for a little while before, you know, they, they move on to the next phase of their career or their life. Uh, that's a unique and increasingly prevalent option uh, in terms of retirement living and, and certainly getting finances in a row. Um, I'm actually writing a story right now, uh, on the day we're recording this about how you use a reverse mortgage to fund the construction of an accessory dwelling unit. And it's a little bit tricky because the primary occupant of the ADU is not the person who can get a reverse mortgage for such a purpose. It needs to be the primary property owner. So they have to be at least age 62 if you're talking about an FHA sponsored HECM or 55 if you're looking at proprietary options in certain states. And it is them that has to uh, take the loan out and then you can use a portion of the equity that you do take out to actually fund the construction of an ADU. So it is kind of detail specific and it might not be as universally viable an option, but for people in the right situation, it might warrant, again, might warrant consideration um, if you need, especially for those like who want to have maybe their parents living close to them. Um, you know, it's just a, a hop, skip and a jump and, and you're over at your, uh, your parents or your in-laws place. And I have a, a little bit of experience with this just because my mom lives in an ADU on my sister's property. So she's very close to members of my family. If there was ever a need to, to jump over there and see how she was doing, it's just, you know, a little path and you, and you're in the, in the granny flat, so to speak. So it's an interesting option and it's in it. I am encouraged to see that its prevalence is increasing, but you know, at the same time, it's certainly not going to work for everybody, but that's a pretty common theme for anything reverse mortgage related. It is. I've, I will be really interested to see this article because I was, I was just wondering that I was like, Oh, ADUs could be great, but how does that really work with reverse? And so the fact that there is some path there. Very interesting. And I, I just think that sort of infill housing is going to be more important as we go forward, right? I mean, there's, especially there's in some areas, there is no place to go, right? I mean, you talk about California specifically, if you don't use some of that infill housing, people are just going to have to move out to other areas. I'm in Texas. You can, you can spread out as far as the eye can see. Just keep going out into the, you know, into the uh, cow pastures of Fort Worth and we can all have, you know, an acre or whatever. But I just feel like so many areas of the country are not like that. And this is going to be, you know, more important going forward. Yeah. And a lot of urban areas are having a, a serious issue reckoning with a homelessness problem, which has affected certain seniors. So um, the LO that I spoke to out of California, I think she's near the San Diego area. She talked about just like driving around San Diego and seeing a lot of ADU construction just popping up. So it certainly is something that people are, are looking into. And I think it's a very practical solution to a very real problem. So it makes a lot of sense. And you're also, you know, depending on the, the uh quality of the construction, you're probably also adding value to the primary property by having this 
additional ADU on the property. So it's it's a very interesting and novel chance to address a specific problem, particularly for uh, for seniors who might want to live closer to their relatives. Um, but there are lots of other options available too uh, for them if they have access to home equity and are looking to tap into it. Then you know, reverse mortgage might be worthy of consideration to solve some liquidity problem or cash flow access that they have. So up to now, we've been talking about you know some of the really positive things that you can do with the reverse mortgage. You did have um, uh, an article recently on uh, reverse mortgage program is a fraying senior lifeline. Experts say. Um, and, and that one was really, uh, it was Ted Tozer again, and also Lori Goodman from the Urban Institute. Tell us what they were looking at when, when they see some potential problems there. Yeah. So this was something that really came out of the bankruptcy of reverse mortgage funding. That's a story that RMD broke at the end of last year. It quickly became the most read story on the site for the entire year, even though it happened in December. Um, and it really did seem to indicate a broader problem with the reverse mortgage secondary market. So basically what Ted Tozer and Lori Goodman are saying is that the RMF bankruptcy helped to expose and bring to light very serious weaknesses in the HECM program on the liquidity side. And the, the tenor of the, the total piece that Tozer and Goodman co-authored together is that these kinds of issues need to be substantively addressed by both FHA and Ginnie Mae, in order to keep the program accessible for American seniors. And they actually spend quite a bit of time in uh, sort of the preamble to their larger point, discussing how the reverse mortgage program can be quite an important lifeline for seniors, particularly those who may not have many other resources available to them outside of their home equity. So, uh, yeah, the bankruptcy of RMF was certainly the catalyst for for them wanting to tackle that particular issue, particularly because um, after the bankruptcy occurred, there were some conversations and court filings, certainly that we reported on, that indicated that another major reverse mortgage lender was kind of waiting in the wings to take on the, the loan portfolio. But that fell through after that lender got a closer look at uh, the particulars of the portfolio itself and and how aged it was and potential issues. So that ultimately led to Ginnie Mae itself assuming the servicing of the old RMF portfolio, which was a that was kind of a an eye-raising moment for uh, for Ted Tozer, who was a Ginnie Mae president during uh during the Obama administration. And he in particular was just surprised that there was such a general lack of interest by the other major lenders in the space to assume that portfolio and have a lot of control over general reverse mortgage servicing. I think RMF was uh, had the biggest servicing portfolio in the industry prior to its collapse. So it's uh, they're just trying to highlight some reasonably serious issues that could present an existential problem for the reverse mortgage program on into the future if Ginnie Mae does nothing to address some of the, the the liquidity problems. And one of the questions that I asked them uh, when I interviewed them is if Ginny May or FHA could address these problems themselves or if it would require uh, intervention on the part of Congress, which would be really difficult to accomplish right now. Uh, but no, they said that it was largely administrative, that that Ginny May could probably, Ginny May and FHA in particular, and probably most specifically FHA, 
could craft new policy with a mortgagee letter if um, Commissioner Julia Gordon wanted to sign off on it. So it's something that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. I've got another story with parts of my interview with both of them coming out uh, in the in the coming days uh, that dives a little bit deeper into some of the specific causes. But one of the other things that Lori Goodman certainly emphasized is that there are so few equity tapping options available to seniors that if these issues went far enough to actually remove the Heckam program from the board, so to speak, that would be pretty devastating for a lot of seniors who are looking to unlock their home's equity. So these are very real problems that are going to need to be addressed. And we've certainly seen a tumultuous time in the reverse mortgage industry for the past several months. Um, There are signs, at least in the performance metrics, that things could start to improve. Um, But that's largely in terms of volume. These other issues in terms of uh, liquidity and and the servicing portfolio, those are things that the industry can't really do anything about. That requires the FHA to change some of its practices. Yeah, you know, they both, um, towards the end of that article, I believe that uh, Tozer brought up the fact that, you know, the uh, questions around the uh, mortgage insurance premium and and what that should look like. And boy, those are, those are questions on the forward and the uh, reverse side. So really interesting. I would, I would point people to that article, uh, to take a look. It would be such a shame if, if something happened to the HECM program right now, when we are about to need it in spades, because all those people coming into retirement age and, uh, potentially, you know, without a lot of money. So interesting, interesting. Well, Chris, thank you as always for being on great to always find out what's going on in the reverse space. Of course. Thank you very much for having me, Sarah. Always appreciate the chance to talk to you. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Success might look different this year, but it's out there for those willing to work for it. That's why 2023's Gathering of Eagles will focus on forging opportunities, the perfect chance for industry leaders to take a proactive approach to continually move the needle in their businesses and the real estate industry at large. Gathering of Eagles will bring together the nation's top residential real estate CEOs, presidents, and C-level leadership teams to grow, network, and set the pace for what's next in our industry. 2023's GOE is at Omni Barton Creek Resort in the rolling hill country of Austin, Texas from June 18th until the 21st. Learn more and register your spot on the events page at realtrends.com. And we can't wait to see you in Austin. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.